Hello and welcome to Sierra Quest 2 Adventure Game is Human. This is a new monthly podcast that looks at the adventure games in chronological order from Sierra Online. I'm your host, Matt Bradley Shergi. With me is William Thrasher. You, you could consider me the other guy from Andromeda. Hello, everybody. And, you know, long-time long, long listeners of our various uh, sequel cast or Critiquing the Critic or whatever podcast might uh, remember we did a show in the antebellum period called Video Game Sequel Cast that looked at video game series just sort of uh, as a whole. And uh, But uh, I wanted to do something a bit more specific and also um, something that was less often that would actually give us time to play the games and so forth. And... Uh, it just came to mind, you know, Thrasher and I, from when we first met in college, uh, would really bond talking about these old Sierra adventure games, whether it uh, Space Quest, I think, in particular, was a big one, right? Yeah, they, they were a big part of, of both of our sort of, both, both of our gaming makeup, and uh, <clears throat> there's just like, it's a, it created a, an interesting kind of shared experience uh, for for the two of us, and hopefully with anybody else who who ever played these games, uh, there was just there was something unique about about the Sierra adventure game experience that just really stuck with us. Yeah, the purpose of this of this episode is just to sort of introduce our our background, as you said, our of Sierra, uh, how we played the games, and what we hope to do with the show. And I hope you look forward to future episodes coming on a, on a monthly basis as part of this uh, podcast feed, along with the sequel cast two movie shows and whatever else we have on there. And and within within the loose structure of Sierra Quest, you know, it's it's not just going to be us just talking about the games. We'll talk about what we might be playing now. Uh, we'll also have uh, various segments. One that I cannot wait uh, for is uh, we will judge what we believe each of us believe is the most infuriating puzzle in the game. Mm, uh, of course, because it's... Sierra was riddled with that. <laughs> It was, and uh, in fact, my first um, adventure game period was a Sierra game. It was I was uh, six or seven years old at at school in uh, Buenos Aires, Argentina. And the computer lab was all Apple uh, Apple twos, I, I believe, with the five and a quarter floppy disk. Back in the days when floppy disks were uh, floppy, and it was a adaptation of a a Disney cartoon. Disney would like you to forget the Black Cauldron. Oh yes. Al Lowe designed the game. It had um, sort of like the old King's Quest games. You can move the character around, but it had a, a simplified um, way to interact with objects. It was really kind of ahead of its time. That That is one that I actually played back in the day. My friend Eric had that at, at his place. Mm. And I remember we I stayed over at his place for the weekend, and we sat, we sat down to play it. Um, and... We, I feel like we played it for three hours and felt like we hadn't made any progress, but we were both so wowed by the bleepy bloopy sound effects and these sort of rudimentary graphics, which for the time were pretty good, uh, that we still had an enjoyable experience. What was your first uh, Sierra game? The first, the first that, uh, well, I guess actually when it comes down to it, I guess it would be the Black Cauldron, although the first one hmm. that I ever played that I was truly like aware that it was a Sierra game and sort of where it fell fell into the legacy was Space Quest Two. Uh, what was your 
home computer at the time. Uh, oh, that, that's the best part. We didn't have a home computer at the time. We didn't get a home computer until the next year. The whole the whole reason I got into it is that uh, my friend my friend Mark we uh, there you there used to be uh, a uh, an independently owned toy store. It was like within walking distance of the of the lower school we were both attending, and for I'm not entirely sure why, but I think we we walked there after school while we were waiting for his mom to pick us up because we we I was going to spend the weekend at his place, and we were there when they had a small rack of uh, computer games, and they had Space Quest Two, which was the one he did not have in his collection which he had all the ones that had been released up to that point except for the second one which he had played before but it had been like when it first came out on his dad's computer and his dad lived in a different state so we got it brought it back to his place and we spent the weekend we spent the weekend playing it together and it was it was really fun and i really really warmed up to the uh to the sense of humor that the game had and it, and that was really important to me what brought me into sierra games in a big way was the humor did you um, remember if the computer was a IBM compatible or a Mac or an uh, Apple? It, it was an IBM. IBM, okay, interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, you know, uh, as far as home computers, my dad had a, had a home computer in the late 80s, but it was such an old model. Um, he was doing work for the government at the time, let's say, and uh, such an old model, the screen was that burnt orange color. <laughs> so you couldn't really play games on it or if you could not very well um the first family computer we had wasn't until i was like 11 or 12 years old um it was a packard bell 486 66 had a double speed cd-rom eight megs of ram which was a lot back then you know it was sort of a a hot shit kind of lower end uh, family computer that probably was um, like $1,999. Like those things were very expensive back then. Uh, the sound card on this was like a terrible knockoff. It made MIDI music play out of tune. Uh, anyhow, um, a, a friend of mine in the Boy Scouts, uh, Eric, he his family, even before he was born, played all the Sierra games. They had all the original boxes on a shelf in their basement. Uh, but um, so spending the night at his house a few times, I would play those. And a few, and what really got me into it, I was I was fortunate because of, you had the CD-ROM. Um, it was much cheaper to put games on CDs than on the diskettes, as far as production cost. Oh yeah. And C Sierra was not shy about re-releasing their old product on CDs, as the King's Quest Collection or the Space Quest Collection. So that's how I collected quite a lot of those titles. Yeah, that's one thing Sierra was really good about, and I wish I wish more game companies did this. They were very they they would re-release all their classic games in these bundles that you could play on an up on a modern a modern system, mm -hmm. and they were pretty comprehensive. They even had bonus features. I can't wait till we get into Space Quest because I want to talk about the bonus features that were on the Space Quest collection. But also, they would update those collections as new games came out. Mm -hmm. They would reissue those collections and incorporate the newer games. Yeah, and some of them would have really odd extras. I, I do. Part of me regrets not getting all of them when I could at the time. On the other hand, like I have no space for any of this stuff now. I have such small living quarters. But uh, like my favorite Sierra game series is uh, Gabriel Knight, um, and they did a Gabriel Knight collection um, that, oddly enough, just had game one and two because I think the third game was still was like 
coming out, so this collection was a tie-in. One of the extras in it was a rare novelization of the first um, first game. Huh, cool. And it had a soundtrack sampler on CD, which is something you would rarely see. Uh, even today, that's fairly unusual. But however, in Japan, they still sell video game soundtracks all the time. I, I thought that would have caught on in the States, but... Well, you know what's funny, and this comes from my experience working in, in video game retail, there were a lot of video game soundtracks, but they were almost always like little premiums that would get sent to the shop. Certainly not enough yes. to give away with every copy of a game, mm-hmm. but I walked away from that job with a number of video game soundtracks. Yeah, and those might be complete soundtracks. Those might be like a sampler, maybe six tracks on it as part of a $70 collector's edition. Um, that's true. And, um, But I mean, yeah, I... One thing I'll have to send you as a reference, Thrasher, is online there's someone made available uh, PDF copies of Sierra Online's um, kind of magazine that would come in the box when you'd buy a game. Oh, yeah. Interaction, yeah. I think I think it has all of them except one issue or something. So from a historical perspective, that's sort of interesting. Um, histor- Sierra was, uh, the CEO, Ken Williams, was very much about technology. And the games, especially the King's Quest games, would always try to push in the forefront, whether it's EGA graphics or using the mouse or having voice acting, even if it's done by people that work at the company that are not professional actors. Yeah, that's another thing I do like about Sierra is that the the people who made the games were very forward. You would sometimes see the actual designers credited on the box. It would be advertised as the new thriller from Roberta Williams. Yeah, and the fact that they would often do their own their own voice acting. <laughs> I absolutely, I absolutely love the the sample of Al Lowe that's in Leisure Suit Larry Seven, where it's just him gasping and panting and going, "Hey, kid, I'm busy. Go away." And he's just putting on such a voice. If memory serves, they'd even have pictures of the designers in the back of the box. Um, Very often they would. Yeah. The only other company I can remember doing that is, um, of all things, Electronic Arts had a very famous campaign in the mid-80s using the, these uh, arty black and white photos of the designers. And like, here, this is our, you know, trying to promote them like film directors and had had them dressed in clothes and posing like models with, uh, I forget the designer's name. One of them, one of the games was like Pinball Construction Set or something. It's a very, uh, anyhow, you know, but... It, Crediting the designer like that was still, it's still pretty rare today, to, to be honest, which I find kind of shocking considering how much money video games make. Like, can you name who the designer was on The Last of Us or, I don't know, Kingdom Hearts? Or, I would have to look it up. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. But with a movie, you know, I could say who made Get Out and you'd go, oh, it's Jordan Peele or who made... Um, you know, Transformers. Oh, it's Michael Bay, right? <laughs> so that they still don't really promote the the main designer of it. And I, and video games like film are certainly a collaborative process. I'm not taking anything away from that, but oh, absolutely. You think, would, you think they push that a bit more? Um, Something else I'm going to look look forward to talking about, although it won't happen initially, is when we get to the era where copy protection was a big part of games. Sierra had some very interesting copy protection features that I cannot wait to reminisce about those. Yeah, interesting is a polite way to put it. Yeah, it's it's really quite something. Um, Sierra, they had a real knack for, you know, if they had a project they liked, they would 
kind of let the designer alone to do their own thing. And uh, that that became harder to do as the as the company went on and uh, as they got bought out by different companies and, and so forth. And um, Activision now owns, I mean, for quite some time, has owned Sierra. Uh, in the, oh, when around like 2005 or 2006, they released a few like Xbox Live Arcade games under the Sierra banner. Um, and recently they, they brought it back to release... Um, I, I think maybe the King's Quest uh, remake or something under the Sierra banner, but they haven't really done much with it since. I mean, there's also a lot of Sierra adventure games developed that never came out. You know, that would also be another fun thing to look into. I'm, I'm sure with 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 how quickly Sierra kind of wrapped up, I'm sure that every of their every one of their major franchises had an unreleased game that was in development. Although how far along they were in development, who knows? Yeah, I mean, Leisure Suit Larry had one in space. Um, oh, yeah, which is set up at the end of number seven. <laughs> set up at the end of number seven. You also had, oh, what else? A um, At one point, Space Quest was being developed into an MMO. At another point, it was being developed into a side-scrolling game for PlayStation 2. Uh, I have no idea how either of those would have worked. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the other thing that's really... I mean, the only Sierra franchise, you know, that's not owned by Activision is Leisure Suit Larry, um, which actually had other games made for it uh, outside of Sierra, including yeah, Matt, a German-only volleyball game. Uh, what? The, uh, was it, it was like Hollywood or Bust and Mag- Magna Come Loudly? Uh, yeah, uh, Magna Come Loudly is, uh, isn't too bad, actually. That one's sort of fun. But the other one was like a platformer. Very strange. Um <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, it it'll be fun to see with with see with the Sierra Quest to Adventure Game is Human, how how it changes what what an adventure game is. Um, the other thing that comes to mind is uh, they would love to put action or arcade sequences, as they would call them, in their games. <laughs> oh yeah, Space Quest Three had an infamous one of those. They had a few. It wasn't it Super Chicken, or they had a few. Oh well, actually, that's true. No, so yeah, there was Astro Chicken, but then there was also that giant robot fight towards the end of the game. Mm. Oh, yep. and the uh, star, the starship gunnery sequences. There's like three of those. Oh wow, that one had a lot of arcade sequences. Yep, or um, the the I wouldn't know. I don't know if it's an arcade sequence, but it certainly infuriated people. Was in the old King's Quest games, climbing down the steps and trying not to fall off. Which I believe is the inspiration for the indie game Stair Quest. <laughs> yes, um, which is excellent. I, I've talked a lot to the designer of that. He goes by uh, Decaf Jedi on Twitter. He's a professor, I think, at a university or something. But yeah, it's Stair Quest is pretty amazing. Uh, you, I, I, I haven't played through the whole thing. Maybe I should try to stream myself playing Twitch stream, <laughs> playing some of it, but... When you get to the end, you go to the top of the stairs, and then you have to go all the way back down to the bottom. It's Yeah, you have to make a return trip. It's extremely mean. I, I pitched him an idea for a sequel in which you're, you play as a, uh, a staircase having to go down stairs made out of people. <laughs> I, well, you know what I'm thinking? Do a whole do a whole game uh, where it's just the vine. It's just the vine section of Space Quest Two. 
at least the vine sequence in Space Quest Two, I could get past the the mountain in King's Quest Three. I find uh, extremely challenging, but well, like, the vi- the vine you, it, it is is hard because you cannot distinguish which part of the poisonous vine is where, and so you have to like do these micro steps and save every save alternate saved games like every other step. So well, we'll talk about this more in detail, but. Yes. Uh, me and two of my friends that when the Space Quest collection came out, we made our own little sport of trying to play that with the fewest saves possible. <laughs> oh. we, would do, we, would, we would go through the plant, we would make the return trip, and we would challenge other people to do it faster with less saves than us. I bet you got pretty good at it. Actually, we did. I could do it both ways without saving towards the end. I think they wow. could, too. Like, yeah, that's... You can figure it out. It's really something. Um in case you're wondering why the, the show is going to be called Sierra Quest to Adventure Game is Human, a lot of their games had Quest in the title, including you know one of their first games with uh, with graphics where you controlled a guy on the screen, King's Quest. Um, and then To Adventure Game is Human is a takeoff on the title for King's Quest 3, To Air is Human. And um, King's Quest 3... Well, I guess we can... I don't want to get into too many stories now, because we'll get into that when we cover those games. But let's just say the the uh, opening of King's Quest Three made a lot of people so mad, they tried to return the game. Because they're like, this isn't King's Quest. I'm not playing as King Graham. <laughs> Ooh, Graham! Watch out, King Graham! A poisonous Ooh. snake! Ooh. Um, I saw on Etsy a few people had made buttons with the owl saying that. That's quite tempting. I might have oh, to cute. buy one of those. Um, it is, and yeah, I mean, I mean, we talked about them with technology, with sound cards and things, but with CD-ROMs, I mean, they really jumped on the bandwagon. Um, a lot of times if you wanted a CD-ROM for your computer, you would need this complicated upgrade kit and it would come with some free games and undoubtedly one of them would be like mixed up Mother Goose or, or some Sierra thing thrown in there. (laughs) Yeah, I remember actually in in their um, in some of their collections, Sierra had made a little documentary about themselves. I'll have to see if I can find this, but that's one of the things they they talked about in the documentary was how they were ahead of the curve technologically, but they were so ahead of the curve that they made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> right, and they had some games that you know were so ahead of its time that you. It would take a year or two before a computer would come out to the public that could run it properly. Um, oh, God. And this is kind of out, outside of the scope of the podcast, but, of course, we also both remember Outpost, which was it yeah. was one of the best-selling games of all time before it was even released, just based on pre-orders. And demand was so high, they purposefully shipped an incomplete version of the game, and then about a year and a half later, you got a disc that completed the game. Outpost was like a um, strategy game, is that right? Well, well, it was It was sort of a sim game. The idea was that Earth was going to get destroyed by a meteor, so you had to colonize another planet. And so it was all about building building the colony to the point where humanity was no longer under threat of extinction. Right. And there were some other things that were supposed to be in it, but because the game was released unfinished, it wasn't there. I we got my family got the disc. I never got a chance to install it, so I have never played the complete version of Outpost. Wow, um, uh, and that was also one of the fun things because of the way the disc was compiled. You could you had access to all the game's assets on the base game disc, 
And there were so many assets that the game didn't use, including a completely different AI interface with its own voice. That's unusual. They would make that much that stuff still on the disc. How about that? Um, yeah, I mean, that also brings to mind with King's Quest Seven when, when that came out. Um, up to that point, their adventure games, you could save your game in the middle. You know, you can pick up where you left off. King's Quest Seven only saved... Uh, when you quit the game, it would save automatically. But the game was also kind of buggy and would crash. People would lose progress. And so they re-released a, a version that it said, like, on the box on a sticker, now has a save button. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I think that that's going to be another thing we'll we'll talk about and bond over is when we find bugs in these games. Because, regrettably, there there were a few. Yes, as um, as Al Lowe, the designer of Leisure Suit Larry, would say, save early, save often. <laughs> uh, which was a line that was quoted on the first season of Reboot. Oh, the Canadian uh, CG series? Yes, that's set in a computer. There's, a, there's an episode where, where Bob is teaching a class about game safety, and when the lecture ends, he says, but remember, save early, save often. Given how many cartoons there were in the 80s, I wonder if Sierra ever tried to pitch their video games as cartoon series. I'm sure they must have. I know there was briefly a Gabriel Knight film uh, that was in development. Really? Uh, I there. Oh, there was a actually uh, Leisure Suit Larry got optioned for a film at one point. Uh, there was a Space Quest comic book, which it is... It is one of my holy grails is to track down the complete Space Quest comic. I think it ran for six issues uh, published by Malibu Comics before it got bought out by Marvel. Yeah, Leisure Suit Larry they were trying to do as a, a Jim Carrey movie at one point. Uh, Bill Murray was at one point attached. I think he would have been perfect. That would have been a better casting. Actually, I, my dream casting for Leisure Suit Larry is John Lovitz. <laughs> but there you go. Um yeah, so I mean, there's a lot of fun games to talk about. Doing a, a game a month, this will take years. We might not ever finish it, but well, that's that's a uh, well, let's let's not give into pod fade yet. But that's something. Are we gonna are we gonna hit all their adventure games or just the ones with quest in the title? Hmm. Or 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 like just just the hits because I feel I feel like we have to get Gabriel Knight in there regardless. Yeah, even though quest is not in the title. I think we might as well start from the beginning. I want to see the evolution of how it grows. Excellent. And um, how terrible the parser is at the beginning. <laughs> so, starting with their uh, adventure game number one, Mystery House. Dun, dun. Oh yeah, this, this is going back into the adventure gaming Stone Age, where it was just like a st every moment of the game was just a static image, and then you had to type in what you wanted to do. Well, that it had even static images on the screen was really like pushing the envelope for the time. I, I cannot stress that enough. Like looking looking at it, we'll get into it when we do the actual episode. But I mean, looking at it now, it looks like stick figures your drunk uncle might have drawn on a napkin. But um, but hey, more graphics than Zork. Yes, that's right. And in fact, uh, didn't Infocom do an ad where it's like their graphics and it showed like crappy, uh, I don't know, like computer game graphics of like Donkey Kong at the time. And then it said our graphics and it showed a drawing of a brain. Oh, God, I do remember that. 
so very you know, good. In for an experience. Yes, in for an experience. Any any last thoughts? Um, no, just that just that I'm looking forward to this, and and I. I, because it's an experience I haven't had in a while, I am looking forward to the moment where I throw up my hands and just go to a tutorial because some puzzle is too obtuse, or there's some there's some especially when the in the text interface era when there's a specific thing they want you to say and a specific way they want you to say it before you can progress, and you've got to fit, reverse engineer whatever the hell that is. Yeah, an issue of. Um... I think Computer Gaming World once described those puzzles as, guess what the uh, game designer was smoking <laughs> puzzle. Um, certainly, and uh, I guess I'll... Why don't we end it doing a, a bad impression of voice acting from a Sierra game? Ooh, a bad vo- bit of voice acting. Right, like, like what's your favorite kind of, like, bad voice acting? Well, I mean, the, 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 ones, the ones that are bad are... The ones that I love are when it is one of the one of the developers or designers or somebody who worked on the game recording it, and they can't act, but they're very enthusiastic. I think that's why that <laughs> Al Lowe bit of dialogue I like so much, because he knows he's not good at this, but he's going to give it his all. I like the, the stiffness of King Graham as portrayed by Josh Mandel, who is one of their writers and designers on their games. It's It's just such a stoic performance and that he he even went and did it for some of the fan games too when they did like fan remakes of uh, king's quest i think one two and three he's like hello cedric i am here in the castle let's go and get the key (laughs) there is uh so in i think it's it's uh quest for glory four shadows of darkness there is there's a uh there's like a, a Romani settlement that's in the wilderness you can find. And there's one of them, there's this big burly guy who looks, he's drawn kind of like Gaston with slightly different hair. And as I recall, as I recall, he talks like this. Ha ha. And like, and I believe he was even done by a professional voice actor, but it's as if he's been coached to not do it too well. <laughs> uh, Billy West, I think did some voices in quest for Goy for, I mean, there's, there's some character you talk to, and it's obviously like Rodney Dangerfield. Like, yeah, yeah. There's these three local yokels, and each one Jack each Nicholson voice is a bad impression. Yeah. It's a Rodney Dangerfield one, a Jack Nicholson one, and I don't remember what the third one was. Peter Laurie, maybe. Up uh, might have been. That's the. I tell you what, Igor's death must be avenged, which due to a bug happens at the beginning of the game before you've even met Igor and before he is killed. <laughs> yeah, or the Rodney Dangerfield was like, oh, you got to find the Baba Yaga. i got to tell you, kid. Oh. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> yeah. And then he would make, do a one-liner. Uh, that's right. Um, it, it is a real shame. I mean, the, the games that got voice acting is quite inconsistent. Like Space Quest Four did, Space Quest Six did, but not Space Quest Five. Um, Which is really weird. Isn't it? But you look at some of those old Sierra Interaction magazines and they say, look forward to Police Quest 3 coming out soon on CD-ROM, which, I mean, never happened. Well, that was even a thing uh, because uh, Quest for Glory uh, 4, Shadows of Darkness, was supposed to be Quest for Glory 3. And in fact... At the if you at the end of Quest for Glory two, this title card comes up. It's like Quest for Glory three: Shadows of Darkness coming soon. <laughs> yeah, and they had them do an extra game in there. Um, 
pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, so there's, it'll be fun to spot the references and do all kinds of things. I'm really looking forward to the show. I hope you will too, dear listener. And uh, for for updates, you know, to stay, just go to SequelCast2.com and uh, look up SequelCast2 and, you know, subscribe to the feed and you'll get updates whenever we do new episodes of any kind. So uh, you can follow me on Twitter at M-A-T-W-B-T. And of course you can follow me on Twitter at Internet Mayor. So for Sierra Quest 2 Adventure Game is Human, this is Matt. And this is Thrasher. Saying... As the powerful engines of the time machine charge up, as quarks are rent asunder and turbines thrust, nothing happens. How about that? Draken is German for dragon. I wonder if Mosley has dragon breath. <laughs> Great Tim Curry. Yeah. With an accent. Yeah, a British guy. Dude, I, I I made this joke in my um, KBU uh, FM uh, short-lived uh, radio show uh, called Nintendo'nt, but I had on Gary Butterfield as a guest from the cool. Watch Out for Fireballs podcast, and we both sure love Gabriel Knight. And I said, you know, they did a remake of Gabriel Knight one uh, not that long ago, um, and they had new actors do the lines for for various reasons, uh, and because of that, um, you had. The actor is Gabriel Knight. You had an American doing an imitation of a British man doing a attempt of a Southern man. Well, specifically a, a guy from New Orleans. <laughs> a guy from New Orleans, which sounds nothing like a guy from New Orleans. Um, so it's a very peculiar performance, indeed. It, but that's it what makes it, me to mind what Louis Grizzard's bit about actors from the North trying to do Southern accents. <laughs> What did he say about? Oh no, just that, just that, like he he sort of breaks down what doesn't work about it because that, that's kind of like because he talks about you know now lots of people from the south don't have an accent, but they can still fake a southern accent and mm. like his his big thing he talks about like Dan Aykroyd and Driving Miss Daisy, hello mother, which no no man from the <laughs> south has ever said, <laughs> at least not in that way. No, they they always try to do it too much. Um, I found the HBO show True Blood to have a lot of really poor Southern accents. I yes, but they were so consistently bad. I feel like that's almost a deliberate stylistic choice. The only actor I thought had a good Southern accent was the grandmother mm. on that show. I thought she was pretty good from season one. Cool. All right, so yes, your request to Adventure Game is Human coming soon. Will we talk about True Blood again on this show? Listen to find out. <laughs>